Well, once again, welcome to you all. Uh, my name is Chris Lane. I'm the senior pastor, and uh, we are three weeks into a series called The Pursuit of Happiness. And uh, it's based on a block of teaching which probably all of you have heard of. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, very famous piece of teaching of Jesus. Uh, and you can find it in, in the Bible in what we call the New Testament in Matthew chapter 5. And within this two or three chapters, it'll only take you about 30, 40 minutes to read the whole thing, to be honest. But, but within this block of teaching, there is a little passage on, on how to be, you know, who, who is blessed and how to be happy. Christians call them the, the Beatitudes. I'm not even sure why, but it's basically because they, in the tradition, in the old English text, it begins, blessed are they, blessed are they, and probably that's how we shall read it today. But it actually means more than blessed, it means wonderful news. It's proclaiming something about, about the reality we live in and, and God's interaction in it. You could also interpret it, happy are those. And so that's really where we got our, our title from, The Pursuit of Happiness. And the reason we wanted to teach into this was that we, we, put, a, we put it out that, that actually we think that our, our society and our culture has lost its way. It doesn't know what it's looking for. Even our, our heroes of the rock world, you know, Bono of U2 says, I've done this, I've done that, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And, and we tend to be looking for, the, you know, the next, uh, the, the next um, achievement in our career or our, our, our educational work, or we're looking for the, the next relationship, or we're looking for the, the better car and all the rest of it. And, uh, and so, uh, but, but we're not actually sure why we're doing it because everybody else is doing it. Uh, we've, we've almost lost sight of the fact that, that once upon a time, years ago, we were told that we would be happy if we acquired these things. Now the advertising world just kind of alludes to that. It's more a case of keeping up with the Joneses and getting the next and latest technological gizmo that comes across the desk. And what you thought you had was is now out of date, get this, or you'll, you'll be left behind like some poor straggling wildebeest of the, uh, you know, on the plains of Serengeti, you know, ready to be eaten by lions. Incidentally, before I get into that teaching, those of you who are, uh, who, who are regular members here will know that we are having a car show here next Sunday, a classic car show. Now, I've had some interesting questions. One or two of people said, can I still come? Like, can I come to church? Look, basically, folks, we're doing church, okay? So church as usual, okay? All not enthusiastically. You understand that. We haven't sort of rented the facility out to some car buffs or anything. But what we're doing is we, we are take, we're using this as an opportunity to get a few cars in, which we hope will become what we call in the trade a gathering event. Why don't you all say that after me? Gathering event, okay? Which means that, you know, if you've got, you know, a friend, a colleague, a neighbor, maybe a, a father, a, a husband, a son who's into cars but not into church, this might be a good day for you to say, guess what we're having at church this Sunday? Classic car show and it's free. You know, why don't you come along? You don't have to come in. You know, just mill around outside. There's going to be a burger van. Say burger van. <laughs> and, and it should be a lot of fun. And incidentally, those of you who've got some interesting cars, we're saying it's a classic car show, but to be honest with you, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we see some, 
some more modern cars, but if you are fortunate enough to have access to or a father who owns or a brother who loves a, a shiny car, you know, a sports car, be it a modern-day Lamborghini. A friend of Paul down here was telling me he had access to a Lamborghini, which we may or may not be able to get hold of. So if it's just something a bit special and it's bright and shiny, bring it along. The car parking guys will, will, will let you in, and so we can all go ooh and ah. But it's really a gathering event, guys. So let, let's do church, but let's use every opportunity to bring people along and break down barriers and, and, and introduce people to, to what we're doing here. So there you go, that's about that. Okay, the pursuit of happiness. One or two things that we've said about this by way of introduction is that, that one of the wonderful things about Jesus' teaching in, on this matter is that it doesn't depend upon the size of your wallet. It doesn't depend upon your intellect. It doesn't depend upon your education. It doesn't depend on any of these things. Jesus's mandate, his manifesto for happiness is accessible to all. You can be a cobbler in a village in Govindapuram in Kerala in southwest India and this makes sense. It is inclusive. It is, however, counterintuitive. The kind of things we're teaching about, the things that Denise was sharing last Sunday and things that the team will be sharing with you over the next few weeks, they, they, they are a little bit revolutionary. They're asking you to pursue things or do things or aspire to things or discipline yourself towards things or set your mind on things that, that actually the world of advertising doesn't really want to sell. So it's counterintuitive. And the third thing, it is most definitely and most importantly Christ-centered. So, so for every single one of us here, whether you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you know, signed up and all the rest of it, or whether you're just beginning this spiritual journey, Jesus is the key. And as you get to know him and model your life on him and, and, and receive his teaching and try and apply it in your life, and that's tough, tell me about it, but as you do that, the very things that your friends and neighbors and advertising will tell you that you are actually forfeiting will be the things you find. You will begin to find peace, happiness, and contentment. Well, the third one, which I'm looking at today, is, is, uh, is entitled, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. But I just want to show you something. If I can just have my first screen up, Matt. Actually, I began this series with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And actually, a little bit of Bible trivia for those of you who love this kind of thing. Many scholars think that actually verse, you know, the next verse and the, the, that um, Denise spoke on last week and the one that I'm going to speak on today actually got switched around. And it should read like, it should read this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And actually, as I've looked at that, and I've thought about that and prayed about that, I thought, well, wow, that really does work, because it's kind of like heaven and earth, you know, and blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are the meek. They're not too far apart, you know. And, 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 but what I like about it, and why I'm wanting to just, you know, play Bible trivia with you for the moment, is just this whole thing about in heaven and on earth, it's God's plan for us to be happy as we pursue him and his principles. Heaven and earth, there's a lovely kind of balance in that, and I like that kind of thing. So, you know, we have said that all too often, of course, that the way the world presents things is blessed are the successful, you know. 
Blessed are the self-sufficient. You know, blessed are the strong. Uh, and, and in fact, it was interesting, I think it was last week that Denise was mentioning, and I know Rick's mentioned it once or twice in his sermons, but, but there's a bit of a cult of the superhero. People love superheroes, like the Incredible Hulk, or Superman, or, or Spider-Man, or something like that. Uh, and what they love about these characters is that almost invariably, in real life, these characters are not just ordinary men and women like you and I, but often they're quite nerdy, quite geeky, you know? Superman is a, is a journalist, Clark Kent, he's got these big glasses and everybody you know, thinks he's a nice, you know, innocent, sort of friendly sort of chap, but of course when, when, his, when the blood is up and the moment requires it, he goes into his telephone box and spins around and comes out, ta-da, like that. And I think we all, or maybe it's just humble pastors, fantasize that in a world where often we feel powerless and, and actually just reactive, just trying to do life and get through life, we fantasize that one day somehow we'll just go Da-da! and come out of our telephone boxes and, and just do life wonderfully. So this whole sort of cult of the superhero is something that we, we aspire to. And I, I wanted to just show you one or two quick illustrations of this from the Spider-Man movie. So let's, let's have our first little film clip. Now tell me, listen, honestly, girls as well, which would you rather be Peter Parker with glasses, books under his arm, being beaten up in the corridor of the college, or Spidey? <laughs> you are amazing. Hands up if you'd rather be Spidey. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> of course, it, it act, the reason these films are so, so successful is, of course, the, spec, the, the, the uh, special effects are, are spectacular, but, but there's something about that. We want to break out of the ordinary. We all have that sense of powerlessness. And, and what we want to do is, is suddenly be competent. We, we, we want to be confident. We want to be strong. We want to break out of that. We want to be the superhero. But you know, that whole gig, that whole need, and, and Denise said something very telling last week. She said, many of these things that we, we aspire to and, and acquire and sometimes you know, attract, sometimes very unhealthily, I have to say, actually echo a real and genuine need. We're all looking for significance. We're all looking to feel in control. And so the whole superhero thing, you know, feeds that thing. But Jesus said something that is so counterintuitive, it would be easy to dismiss. Because Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. You mean the Peter Parkers are going to inherit the earth? I have a hard time getting my head around that. And I want to unpack that and think about that. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, interestingly enough, those of you who are following this in life groups, because I know some of our life groups now take these teachings and they, they kind of chew on them during the week. I think that's a great idea, by the way. What I have only recently discovered, and I've been studying this book for 30-odd years, is that Psalm 37, the first 11 or so verses, is something of a commentary on this very verse, blessed are the meek, for they will, in, they will inherit the earth. 
So, so let's just spend a few minutes looking in Psalm 37. I'm not going to do a big unpack here, so there's going to be plenty of meat on the bone for you to take away and read and study and, and pick away at. But let's just look at Psalm 37. If you've got a Bible, turn with me there. We're going to have it on the screen. If you haven't got a Bible, any Bible, and would like one, we'll give you one. Just go to the desk. But we will, we'll look at that now, and we'll just uh, unpack that a little bit. So Psalm 37, verses 1 to 11, and I'll just read it through. Do not fret because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong, for, they, for, for like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It, turns, it leads only to evil, for evil men will be cut off, but those who wait, those who hope in the Lord, will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Look, you will look for them, and they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. There you have it, Matthew 5.5. 5. It is a certainty that Jesus had this passage in, in mind. So it is a commentary on this passage. Few things, there are, there are some sort of instructions followed by the benefit of doing that. I'll just whiz through those instructions. Do not fret, you know, fret not because of evil men. You see other people getting on and they're wheeling and dealing and they're, they're, they're getting on by fair meals of fowl and, and it, 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 it is irksome. It is, Hard to see, it's hard to live with. We see this in our world, people pushing and shoving and queue jumping, and, but the Lord says, do not fret. Don't let that get to you. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord. You know, whatever's going on there, let your conscience be clear. Let, when, you, when your hit, head hits the pillow at night, let your conscience be clear. Pursue good, trust in the Lord. Verse five, commit your way to the Lord. You know, I, I, to be honest with you, it's a good practice every day as you kind of stagger out of bed to, to just spend a moment or two, whether or not you have time for, you know, a quiet time as we call it, just say, Lord, whatever comes my way this day, I give it to you, may I walk the royal way. Lord, whatever comes my way this day, I give it to you, just let me walk the royal way, okay? It's a good thing to have in mind as you go through the day. Verse 7, there's more in here, but I'm just picking a few out. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. You know, we tend to burst into the Lord's presence and fire off a few bless me prayers and give me prayers and do this prayers and, oh, by the way, bless my kids too, and then charge out again. You know, I do that. I'm not saying don't do that. The Lord is gracious. He's compassionate. He knows the pressures that we live under. But let's find a little space to just wait before him. Let's just find a few moments to take a few deep breaths. And instead of chattering at him like, like some, my dear granddaughter, who I would cheerfully take a bullet for sometimes when we're babysitting, I just would love her just to be quiet for a minute. Because <laughs> she's talking at me, all, why, Grandpa? Why are we doing this? Why do we? Why, why? And he says, my head is just about to explode. 
And we're like that with God. Chatter, 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 chatter. Let's just kind of stop for a minute. He may say nothing. Just bring a little of his heavenly peace upon our spirit. Or he may even whisper to us, and we would miss it if we are yattering at him all the time. So let's be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Sometimes our prayers are not answered immediately. Sometimes it takes time. We have to learn patience. Patience is a virtue. It is not something that 20th, 21st century Britain does well. We are impatient. We want it, and we want it now. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. You know, it is never good to lose your, your, your temper. Uh, this has been an area that uh, I, I've observed many, many times in others and, uh, and even in myself. And, and, and really, you know, one of the questions I found myself asking at one point was, well, what about this righteous anger thing? What about getting angry? You know, it seems that there is a place for anger. It's not sin to, 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 ang to be angry. In fact, the scripture says, in your anger, sin not, do not sin. So there is space for anger. So what, what is this about? And then, of course, there's the story of Jesus in the temple. He comes into Jerusalem in the same week that he celebrated that meal that we shared together, and he is angry, and he turns the tables over of all the money sellers and the traders and apparently loses it, just upsets the market, and that certainly doesn't help him win friends and influence people. But you know what the great distinction in the scriptures is about anger? Anger when used or harnessed to get our own will, our own way to control and manipulate others or to get what we want for ourselves is always wrong. Anger used on behalf of the oppressed, the poor, those who have not got a voice, in the defense of others, in the protection of others, that energy is incredibly creative. I'll never forget the story of of John Stott. Some of you know John Stott. John Stott is a, a, an elderly bachelor preacher teacher up at All Souls Lying in Place. He, he would not do church like this, but he's a godly man, a great author too. One day he was driving through London, he was uh, cycling through London, I believe, and he saw a, a young mugger assaulting a woman on the sidewalk, trying to wrest her handbag off her. And bless his heart, and he's well on in years, he got off his push bike, probably bicycle clips and all, and set about this, this, this young man, and, he, and the young man ran off. Now, needless to say, the whole world and his dog said, what a foolish thing to say to do. You could have been stabbed. You could have been ended up in hospital. You know, all sorts of reasons came why that wasn't a good idea, and probably pretty good ones at that. But he said this, I will always, insofar as I'm able, defend the world, those who are being powerless and, and poor. And that's a godly thing. So even though he's aged in years and he was no match really for a hoodie, I think it was just the surprise that caused this young man to run off. But he, he saw that that was an occasion when the, the ire and the outrage that welled up within him, could be channeled in order to protect that woman who was being mugged, God bless him. So anyway, refrain from your anger, turn from wrath and do good. 
11, but the meek will inherit the land and, and enjoy great peace. When we think of meekness, I'm not even sure that we really know what we mean because it is just not a word that crops up in our language. But let me tell you this, meekness ain't weakness. Meekness ain't weakness. What meekness is, the, the kind of root word has this sense of taming a wild animal. Uh, getting a horse, you know, breaking a horse. You know that's, I mean I know nothing about this and I'll probably have emails and letters people telling me about how this works. But you take an incredible animal full of strength and grace like a horse but it has to be tamed, it has to be trained, it has to be broken. I'm not sure if I like that word but it has to be broken before it can be ridden. And once the animal has been broken, then it can be of great use. And there is this sense in all of us that there is, believe it or not, whether you feel like it, there is a Spider-Man and, and a very black, dark Spider-Man in all of us. There is a powerful beast within us that if we give free rein to, or if we let our mouths run away with us, can do great damage. And what Jesus is, is advocating here is self-control. Self-control. I was in Bristol on Thursday night with the speaker who was here doing the conference yesterday, a lovely man called Gordon MacDonald, and we were in this restaurant and he was telling us about a book that he's been reading about one of the ancient sort of Christian mystics, and um, one of the ladies on this table, there was about a dozen or so of us, she had had a bit too much wine. What was worse was that she had read a magazine in an article about the very person that uh, he was talking about, and she started waxing a bit lyrical and was trying to show off, and it was embarrassing, because even though I didn't know much about the person that this Gordon was talking about, uh, it, it was just embarrassing. She was a little too loud and she kept putting Gordon MacDonald, this, this international author and speaker, a real father figure in the ministry, putting him down. And I was sat opposite Gordon and to see the way he handled that, he was so gracious. He was so kindly. I was irritated. He never let on. He let her interrupt. He dealt with it as, as it came up. And that was a lesson to me in meekness. Because this guy knows his stuff. He has a personal library which has over 4,000 books in. Can you believe that? But he showed great self-control and restraint. Meekness ain't weakness. It's about training the, the mad dog within us. It's about self-control. I'll finish with this one story, which, which I have told before, but it is an extraordinary story, really. We had a staff member here who had a daughter called Jenny, and she was well into horses. Well, one night, she just passed a driving test, 17 years of old. She's driving down Hatfield Road towards Hatfield, about two in the morning, very little on the road, and she suddenly comes across a, a, a scene down at Smallford Roundabout where there are five or six horses running loose in the road, and, they're, and they were very skittish, and there were two poor hapless policemen 
with their yellow jackets on and sort of like this and waving their hats about and trying to get them into a field. And, and these horses were getting spooked and frisky and aggressive and all the rest of it. Well, she saw this. She parked the car. She got out the car. She's 17 years old. She was very slight. She walks over to, to the nearest horse. And she, uh, you know, she's cooing at it or whatever. She walks up to it and she grabbed it by the left nostril. She grabbed it by the left nostril and then she started to walk it off into this open field. And because they are herd animals, the other four horses followed it. And the policemen were all hot and bothered and like this. How did you do that? She knew how to control that beast. And what was a frisky and scary situation suddenly was turned around. Jesus says to us, as we pursue happiness, he says, I'm going to turn things upside down. If you dream of becoming a superhero and changing the world, well, God bless you, but quite frankly, that's not going to happen to too many of us. But if you will get yourself under control, if you will pursue what I call meekness, you'll inherit the earth.